Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. So I would submit to you that almost everything in life, everything that we do, that we feel, everything that we think, hinges on this one tiny little word. It's the word if. Every day we make hundreds, maybe thousands of decisions based on if. If it's cold outside, I'll wear a jacket. If it's not, I won't. If it, mow, if it rains, I'll wait to mow my lawn. If I'm hungry, I'll eat. We're making decisions all the time based on if. But it's not just decisions that we make. It's things that we feel, right? If my son gets the game-winning hit that drives in the run, I'm going to be ecstatic if our new puppy uses my living room as a bathroom one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. We are constantly evaluating. We are constantly making decisions and doing things based on if we live on this razor's edge. If something happens, we go this way. If something else happens, we go another way. And you might go, okay, well, those are kind of silly, simple examples. Okay, but this word if has ramifications in far deeper ways that we experience throughout our life. If I get that promotion at work, I'll finally feel validated. If I find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, I won't be lonely. I'll be satisfied. If that test that the doctor ran comes back negative, I won't be anxious. We determine things about what we're going to do and how we feel and how we think based on if all the time. So the question that I want to explore a little bit today is, do we ever if God? Does this idea of if, does it creep into our relationship with God? Do we put if, do we put qualifiers or conditions before God? God, if you will act this way. God, if you will do this in my life, then. God, if, if, if. That's what I want to explore. So if you've got a Bible with you, get it out. We're spending the summer in this section of the Bible called the Wisdom Books. We're in Psalm today, particularly in Psalm 100. So I'd love for you to follow along on a paper copy of a Bible or if you have an app on your phone or something, Psalm 100. And while you're turning there, let me just talk to you about the Psalms for a minute. The Psalms are one of the longest books in the Bible, and people have suggested that the Psalms are a book of songs. And that's a little bit true. There are songs in there, certainly, but there are also poems. There are battle cries. There are prayers. The Psalms are full of all different kinds of entries, sort of diverse thoughts, all packed together in this one book. Here's what we can say is true about the Psalms, all 150 Psalms. I think we can say this, is that the Psalms are not about you. So bad news, right? The Psalms are not about you. They're about God. And you go, well, the whole Bible is about God. Yeah, that's true. But particularly, the Psalms are there to tell us something that is true about God's character or true about how God acts, which means in reality, they're really hard to read sometimes because just how we are, how we're programmed, and I think influenced by modern culture, we think everything's about us. 
And so it even affects the way we read our Bible. We read our Bible and we're going, okay, what does this have to do with me? And we read looking for ways that it speaks into our life. And we often just move on if we read something, but that doesn't have anything to do with us. We want it to be about us, but it's not. The Psalms are not about us. They are about God. And to prove that point, the psalm that we're going to look at today, Psalm 100, it's a pretty well-known psalm. It's only five verses. It's pretty short, just five verses long. And yet in those five short verses, God is mentioned by name. God, the Lord, he, him. He's mentioned 15 times in this psalm. Do you want to guess how many times you're mentioned? (laughs) Psalm 100, here we go. Let me read it. Let's work through, let me just read it and then we'll kind of come back and we'll work through it and chew on it a little bit. Here's what it says. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. God's faithfulness continues through all generations. This is something that we probably call like a psalm of praise or a song of uh, a psalm of thanksgiving. It's all about how God is worthy of our praise, right? He's really great. And as we shout for joy and we serve him because he is Good. Now, what's hard about this psalm, what's a little tricky is we don't have any backstory. So we don't know who wrote this psalm, and we don't know what was going on when this psalm was written. So I guess every time I've read it and I've heard it and I've processed it, I've just always assumed the psalmist must be having a really good day. Because the things that he's saying are things that we hear and say when life is going pretty good. Praise God. Shout for joy. Worship God. It sounds like there's good stuff going on. If something good happens in your life, my kids come home and they have a great report kind of like, praise God, right? If you have a friend who maybe they were a little short on cash and they're like, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay rent. And, and somehow maybe they pick up an extra shift at work or they get a little extra money. You go, great. God is good. These are the kinds of things that we say when life is going really well. And so as I've read this psalm and heard it in the past, I just assume like, man, the psalmist is having a really great day, kind of on like this this spiritual high kind of moment, right? But it struck me as I was reading and studying Psalm 100 this time. I've always assumed that, but we don't know the backstory, We don't know that the psalmist was having a great day and everything was going perfect and there was something tangible to celebrate. What if that's not what was going on? Let's assume for a second that's that's not the circumstances. What if the psalmist was having a really bad day? What if the psalmist couldn't find his car keys and he was late for work on this day? What if the psalmist got fired on this day? What if he's authoring this as he's driving home and his girlfriend just broke up with him? What if he wrote this psalm on on the day that someone that he loves passed away? Shout for joy to the Lord. Worship him. Enter his courts with thanksgiving. Now, I'm not saying that's what did happen when he wrote this psalm. I'm just saying we don't know. But does it matter? It got me thinking about this. Do the conditions of my life, do the circumstances that I'm, I'm going through, do they determine whether God is worthy of my praise? Is shout for joy based on if life is going really good? 
If I'm having a bad day or a bad week or a bad month, does that determine whether I should praise God? Well, if things are really good, shout for joy. But if I'm having a really awful day, then what? I mean, intellectually, we would all go, no, nothing should change. God is worthy of our praise all the time, regardless of what's happening. But is that what we experience? Isn't it more often than not what we experience is it's easy to say praise God when something good happens. God is good. Celebrate him, worship him, praise him. But isn't it a lot harder when we're really struggling to say praise God? When something goes really wrong to say worship him and serve him? My experience is that if plays a really big role in how we respond and how we interact with God. So I want to go back to this psalm, and I want to sort of walk through it slowly and chew on it a little bit. And basically what I want us to look at is, is there any if? For all of this shout to the Lord business, praise God stuff, is there any if to this? Is there a condition on how and when we treat God? So listen to it again, and let's just go at one verse at a time. Here's what it said. Shout for joy, verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. If what? No, there's no if. It just says shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. This word shout is, is a battle cry. It's something kind of like we might say, long live the king. It's, it's, a, it's a battle cry, a celebration. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. If my kids graduate from high school? No. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. If I get a big raise at work? No, no there, there's no if there. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. And you might go, well, okay, it's written in Hebrew. Is there something that is lost here? No, no. In Hebrew, there's actually, in the original language, there's a word for if. It's the word im. It shows up all over the Bible. It doesn't show up in Psalm 100. It doesn't say shout for joy to the Lord if. It just says shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't circumstances in life that are going to bring us greater joy, right? I mentioned my son playing baseball. I love watching my son play ball. I could do it for hours. It brings me incredible joy. I love playing golf with my dad. I am hyper competitive, too competitive on the golf course. But when I'm with Pop, I don't care. I've had to hit that thing, that little white ball a thousand times. Doesn't matter to me. I just enjoy it. There are things in life that are going to bring us some level of remarkable joy. But I think what the psalmist is driving at is, what if those things don't happen? Do we still shout for joy? So if I have to work late and I miss my son's baseball game, do I still shout for joy to the Lord? If he strikes out to end the game and his team loses, do I still shout for joy to the Lord? I mean, you could apply this in so many areas in your life. If you get your dream job, is it going to bring you joy? Yes, of course it's going to bring you some level of joy. It's going to make you want to shout to the Lord for joy. But what if you don't get it? Does that mean you shouldn't shout to the Lord for joy? There are ways that we put ifs, that we put conditions on God. If something happens, then I'll praise God. If something happens, I'll be full of joy. There's some qualifier. God, if you Give me this. God, if you deliver this, God, if you act, if you behave some way, I will shout for joy. And I love the psalmist just going, oh yeah, remember, um, it's not about you. 
It's not about what's going on in your life. It's about this God, and he deserves your praise. Look at the next verse. It says, worship the Lord. Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. This word gladness literally just means happy. Sing happy songs to God is what he's saying. You notice there's a lot of grumpy Christians in the world. I mean, some of you. I see that and I go, why are Christians grumpy? I mean, there are certainly things in this world that are going to bother us. We live in a world of pain and evil and suffering, yes. But I think this idea of being happy before the Lord. This word worship right here is a better translation for this word. The better translation is to serve. It's a word of full surrender. To present yourself to God, fully surrender to him. I'm all in God, happily singing with joy before you. Not denying that there are hard things in life, but God, I'm in. I'm serving you. You have full surrender. And again, there's no if. There's no condition on it. The psalmist writes, serve the Lord with songs of happiness. Come before him and sing these songs. Serve him if he does something good? No. Serve him if, if you feel his presence in your life? No. There's no if. Just sing to him. Serve him. Be glad before him because he's good. Look at verse 3. It says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We're his people. We're the sheep of his pasture. We belong to him, and he takes care of us. He provides for us, and he, and he protects us. And again, there's no if. And I know I'm belaboring this point a little bit, but man, if your view of God is dependent on your circumstances right now in this moment... If you're going to decide whether God is worthy of your praise based on what you're experiencing now, wow, that's going to be a roller coaster because life is just going to go up and down. And if your view of God, depending on your circumstances, changes, that one day, one hour, one moment, God is good and he's worthy of your praise, but the next he's not, you're going to be tired and you're going to be really confused. And you're not going to know who this God really is. It's hard to get our minds around this, but, but maybe we would say it this way, that God's worth and glory isn't determined by what's going on in my life. The circumstances that I'm facing don't determine whether God is worthy of my praise and whether we should glorify him. But rather, flip it around. How I live my life is determined by God's worth and glory. We get it backwards. And we go, when something good in my life happens, praise God. No, I'm going to live my life praising God because he's good. There's no if. We keep going back to it. The psalmist keeps going back to it. There is no condition. God's worthy of our shouts of joy. He's worthy of our praise. No qualifiers. Look at verse 4. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. 
This language about gates and, and courts is, is likely a, a reference to the temple, the tabernacle. But it's all just more of the same. Give thanks to God because he provides? No. Give thanks to him because he protects? No. Just give him thanks. I have a friend who, who tells these stories from his childhood. He grew up really poor. His dad struggled to find work and there was lots of siblings. The mom was taken care of. And oftentimes dad would be looking for odd jobs kind of between regular paychecks and they wouldn't have food. But he says that, uh, he tells these stories that every night they would gather on the table at dinner time and they would pray and they would just give thanks to God for what they did have. And sometimes at the end of their little family prayer, they would just get up and leave the table because they didn't have any food to eat. But their thanks to God for his goodness didn't, it didn't matter whether they had food in front of him. That didn't determine in that moment if God is good. Oh, we'll sit down at the table and we'll decide because there's a lasagna in front of us that God is good tonight and he's worthy of our praise. But tomorrow when there's no food, he's not good. He's not holy. He's not worth our glory. No, he just is all the time. No condition, shout for joy, worship with gladness, enter with thanksgiving. We get to verse five and, and maybe we get a little bit of explanation. Verse five says this, for the Lord is good. This word for kind of explains why. Why do we shout for joy? Why do we worship him? The Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. So maybe there's something here, but it's still just a hint of it. And there's still no if. These are just statements of fact. The Lord is good. Oh, he's good if he does something for me. He's good if he gives me something. He's good if I have success. No, he's just good. His, his, his love endures forever. That's weird because all of us, our, our love is conditional. We, we want to love unconditionally, but we can't like God. But his love is unconditional and it lasts forever. No if. Oh, his love is, his love is there and, and present when I feel it? No. He's just loving. It's, it's who he is. There's no changing that. Your circumstances don't dictate if God is loving. His love endures forever. And his faithfulness. It's there through every generation. My kids and my grandkids will experience the goodness of God. My great, great grandkids will have access to God because he said it. And in a world that feels like it's going to hell rapidly, in a world where we feel like we're moving away from God to find out that God is not moving away from us, but that he will be faithful and enduring across all generations. But there's still no if. God will be faithful. I can believe that if what? What's the condition? What's the qualifier to believe that? No, shout for joy. Worship him with gladness. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. There are no conditions to this. And I suppose if you don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with God, you're like, this is crazy. Like to, to have a relationship with someone with no qualifiers? Because all of our relationships have ifs. They have conditions. They have extents that we would go to. I guess it wouldn't make any sense. Don't, don't underestimate, though, the power of the Holy Spirit that he works in us to believe that this is true. 
to believe that in the middle of suffering and pain that we still shout for joy and we praise God's name because he's good. Not if. What would that look like? I want to just show you a story. What would it look like to take the conditions off to remove any qualifiers that we have with God. Let me just read this story for you. It's quick. It's in Acts 16. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you. It's about a guy named Paul and his friend Silas. Acts 16, verse 16. It goes like this. It says, once we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. The implication is it's some kind of evil spirit. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, and she shouted, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept doing this day after day, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and he said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you, come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Well, her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone. So they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the officials, And they said, these men are Jews. They're throwing our city into an uproar. They're advocating customs that are unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd, which quickly became a mob, joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The officials ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, Paul and Silas were thrown into prison and their jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and he fastened their feet in the stocks. Listen, And about midnight, that same night, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What does it mean to have no conditions with God? Lots of things. One way that it looks is these guys who are beaten and they're thrown into prison. They're faced with death. And that very night, they choose to sing songs to God from inside a cell, handcuffed to the wall, and they choose joy and praise. What if have you placed on God? What conditions have you put in front of him? God, if you do what? God, I'll I'll act this way. I'll behave a certain way if you God, if you just show me some kind of sign, I'll trust that you're there. God, if you give me a big raise, I'll be generous. God, if you'll heal heal my broken marriage. God, if you will reach my wayward child, then I'll trust you. God, if you'll give me the house of my dreams. God, if you'll rescue me from temptation. What? ifs, what qualifiers have you put on your relationship with God? God, I'll be grateful if. I'll be thankful if. God, I'll follow you if. God, I'll be obedient if. God, I'll praise you if. Oh God, I want to. I would if you just do this. What condition? What would it be like to take the conditions off, to remove the the qualifiers, the ifs that you've put in front of God, and to just praise him? And I'm not talking about living in some fairy tale land where you pretend like everything's perfect and you're floating around on a cloud, playing the harp, singing songs to God, and, and, and like everything's great. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about acknowledging that life is really hard and that we experience pain. And some of you have experienced pain far greater than I could imagine. 
Some of you are experiencing it right now. We're not, God is not asking us to deny that that is real. I've experienced pain in my life, right? Like many of you, I've looked at my spouse and had the conversation, do we still want to be married? I've suffered in things. I've almost lost a child. I've had to give up on dreams like you have. I've been betrayed by people, right? It's not denying that things happen. It's in those moments, though, that it's so hard to rely on God, but we have this choice, and the psalmist is driving us towards this idea of what would it look like. There's no if anymore. It's just you going, God, I trust you. God, I believe that you're there. I don't feel you, God. I don't feel your presence necessarily, but I believe you're there and you're good. What would it be like? God, no if. I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to read it and I'm going to try and understand you. Even on those days that I don't feel like I get anything out of it. I feel like it's wasted time. No, I'm going to keep going. No if. God, I'm going to be generous. I don't have a lot extra, but I'm going to trust you because you've called me to be generous. I'm going to do that, God. No if. God, I'm going to believe that you're good. I'm going to believe that you want good things for me, even when I am so tempted to sin. No, there's no if, God. I'm just going to praise you. Just because he's good, no qualifiers. Just because he's worthy of our praise. So what do we do with this? What does that really look like? I'm going to give you a homework assignment. You ready? Here it is. It's really simple. To practice praise. That's your homework assignment. To practice praise. What do I mean? What if we just took the psalm for a minute that we've read? What if we took it literally as our homework assignment? So shout for joy to the Lord. What does that look like? I, I don't know. Verbalize our praise. Go out tonight when the stars are out and just holler at the moon. I don't care. Your neighbors will think you're weird, but shout for joy. Verbalize your praise for him. Vocalize that he's, he's good. Hebrews 13 says this in verse 15. Therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. Tell someone about his goodness. Shout it for joy. Why do we practice something so that when the pressure's on, right, that it's a muscle that we've built up? We got to start practicing our praise so that when life falls apart, there doesn't become all these ifs. Well, I would praise God if. I would praise God. I would shout for joy. But there's this struggle that I have. We've got to practice praise. Verbalize your praise from in your heart and, 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 and out loud. Worship the Lord. Go back to the passage. He says, come before him and sing songs of joy. Sing to him. You go, I'm not really a singer. It's okay. Let it rip. Who cares? You don't have to do karaoke, but crank it up in your car. Sing in the shower. Because he's good. I don't like to sing. It's not about you. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Again, he's talking about the temple or the tabernacle, likely. He's talking about coming to church. 
come to church with a heart that's open and ready to worship him, to receive from God all of his goodness? Can we come to church needy and broken and wanting hope and healing? Yes, of course we should. But don't we some days come arrogant? I have nothing to learn. This God thing, whatever. Let's just get it over with when this idiot's done talking. We got to get on with our day, whatever it is. What would it look like to come before God at church and just always, every day, with thanksgiving? You go, what do I have to be thankful for? There's no if. It doesn't say with thanksgiving if your life is good. It just says with thanksgiving. I know I'm taking the passage very literally, but I'm trying to get us to think about what would it look like to remove the ifs? The conditions, I'll praise God when something good happens or when I get something or when I feel like it. I'll take him seriously when I have time. No condition. Just praise. I want to give us a chance in a minute. We're going to talk about this a little more. What does it mean? But I guess I'm just thinking, if, if you're here and you're listening to me and you don't have a relationship with God, you're going, what are you talking about? This idea that I would be vulnerable, be vulnerable with, with this God who I can't see and I can't touch and can't hear, it sounds a little bit crazy, right? But yet even in this psalm, there's a story of who God is and, and, and what he wants to have, his relationship with you. Remember it says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth, that's you and me. It's each one of us. God wants to have a personal relationship with you and me. Psalmist says he's a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd chases down all his sheep. He's not letting anybody get away. There's no extent to which God wouldn't chase you down if you're humble. He's following you. Maybe God's chasing you right now. And so maybe, I don't know, you came to church and you're thinking like this faith stuff, I don't know about it. I'm just exploring it. It's Jesus. I, I, I'm not sure. Great. I'm glad that you're here. Keep asking questions. But today, I wonder if, if God is calling you to him. I would challenge you to, to just to talk to him quietly, just you and him. God, I've never experienced love and peace like this. God, I have no idea what it would look like in the darkest hours of my life to praise you, but whatever that peace is, I want it. God, I want to follow you today. I mean, please don't leave here without talking to one of us about a relationship with Jesus. Chat us up online. Don't let today be another day that passes you without making a decision. You, maybe you sit in church every week and you, you kind of go through the motions and you watch it. And I would just challenge you, do you have a relationship with this God who it's not based on conditions? Because he hasn't put conditions on you. He's just said, believe in me, follow me. And he's offered his son Jesus to forgive us of our sins. Talk to us about what does it look like to have a relationship with this God? For the rest of us, just what ifs have you put in front of you? God, if, what conditions? And what would it look like to just drop those today? Scary. God, it's just you and me. Regardless of what happens in my life, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to shout for joy. I'm going to believe that you're good. I'm going to thank you. Even when I don't have anything, I have breath in my lungs. I have life. I have relationships. And so I'm going to praise you, God, with my whole heart. I'm going to stop letting my circumstances dictate whether you're worthy of my praise. 
I'm going to stop letting my joy be dictated by what's going on in my life. God, I'm going to stop telling you I'll, I'll, I'll follow you someday if. I'll quit that sin if. Just come before him. Sing songs of joy to the Lord. Shout about his goodness. His love endures forever. And it lasts for all generations. Pray with me. God, thanks for your word. Thanks that it tells us that you don't change. God, the conditions of my life change every day, every hour, sometimes every minute. But your word promises that you don't change. Your love endures forever. Your faithfulness is through all generations. God, we confess to you, there are ways that we've put up conditions, qualifiers in our relationship with you. God, if you will give me something, God, if you will provide, then I'll know you're good. God, if you'll show up in some way, then I'll trust in you. God, if you will, if you will, if you will. God, help us right now in this moment to drop the conditions and to just Praise you, holy, almighty, creator, from beginning to end, the Alpha, the Omega, who is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Nothing could change that. God, help us to praise you today. God, for the person who's listening today that does not have a relationship with you. God, please speak to them right now. You offer a free gift that is a relationship with you through your son, Jesus Christ. A free gift of forgiveness of our sins and shame. A free gift of making us new. All we have to do is ask. So God, today, for anyone who's searching for hope and peace, let them know they've found it in you right now in this moment to trust you maybe for the first time. God, we praise you today for your son, Jesus. God, we praise you for all that you've done for us, but God, we just praise you because you're God. You're good. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.